0: It is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Hey, my name is Zach and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Ooh, what a weekend, and honestly, a uh, coming week, maybe a couple of weeks that we're gearing up for here locally. So I'm on the West Coast, kind of in the lower mainland Fraser Valley of British Columbia, and to any of you guys who don't know, we got absolutely slammed with you know, record-breaking rainfall over the weekend. I know the city that I'm in and some of the... Some of the several cities around me, uh, they all broke rainfall records this weekend for single day, 24-hour periods. And it has uh, resulted in massive flooding, you know, all the way, again, all the way through the lower mainland from Vancouver, out to Hope. And it is an absolute mess out there right now, Uh, specifically the city that I live in, (laughs) we're cut off on all sides. There's no way to head west towards Vancouver, or the city. Uh, There's no way to head north or east, you know, right now, actually, the Lower Mainland and Vancouver are cut off entirely by road from the rest of Canada. We've had, again, just crazy rainfall, mudslides, uh, washouts, flooding, all the main routes out of here have been literally washed away, some of them will take months to repair, as far as getting up into northern BC and then out east to the rest of Canada, and it has just been crazy. It's something that I, I don't ever remember seeing. Although, mind you, I did actually see a picture today showing a very similar pattern of flooding across the Fraser Valley uh, 31 years ago in 1990. So it isn't altogether unprecedented, obviously. Uh, it's happened before. I'm sure it'll happen again. But good God, it's been a weird week. I Again, so right now, I, I can't really travel into work very much. Like, Luckily, we've got a little bit of work in the, the smaller city that I live in, but for the most part, most of our work takes us into Vancouver and into the big city. So kind of limited from that end. Um, but what has been really remarkable. So again, so I'll just put this into perspective. So from what I'm recording this, which is Tuesday night, it has been 26 hours since they shut down the freeway altogether. Basically cutting off my city from everything west of us, everything into Vancouver. And, you know, it, it's not a big city, but you should see the panic that has ensued since that happened so in 26 hours we've had a supermarket the the front doors have been broken down people rushed in trying to buy up everything there's no milk in town there's no meat the you know the shelves are looking pretty bare this is in 26 hours keep that in mind since since we got cut off uh gas stations i think Probably 90% of the city's gas stations are empty now. They might have a bit of premium fuel left, but other than that, they're completely bone dry. I got lucky, scored some diesel today, because I don't think there's as many diesel trucks out there as there are uh, gas vehicles, so I was able to fill up, but, you know, the signs all over the all over the uh, gas station there were saying that they were out of gas completely, so it's just... It is a gong show right now. And what really, what really it it kind of has highlighted to me, anyway, is just that razor's edge (laughs) that society really teeters on. Like, I don't think me personally, and I don't think very many people do appreciate this, is just kind of how precarious the balance is that keeps everything going and, you know, how unprecedented or how you know, almost miraculous it is that everything does work so efficiently, you know, the way that we see it every day that, you know, the roads are working and in good conditions, the street lights work, we've got running electricity, we've got running water, you know, most houses, mine included, have natural gas running to them. Like, it's just so many things that for me personally, I tend to take for granted a lot of the time. Um, not anymore. <laughs> I don't know, like, we got a taste of it I don't know if this happened everywhere, but we got a taste of it in, you know, March of 2020, when the first lockdown hit, and for whatever reason, everybody went frantically crazy for toilet paper. Uh, Look, I'm just as much at a loss as you guys probably are thinking, you know, toilet paper, why? I don't know either. But then there were all of a sudden shortages. And as soon as, you know, it's funny, like, as soon as people started seeing that, everybody was buying up toilet paper, well, then the craze just ensued, and it got absolutely maddening. Like, you know, there were security guards watching the toilet paper areas and like making sure that people only took one package at a time. Or I remember one day I was going to the post office to drop something off. And it just happened that this drug mart got a delivery of toilet paper, like just the little packages, the the four roll packs and the eight roll packs. And this guy, the worker, was wheeling over the cart. And people are running by and picking them right off the cart before he can even put them to the shelves. And I'm watching this while I'm standing in line to mail a letter. just dumbfounded. Because it's just, it's mind-boggling to me, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I just, (laughs) I was watching it. And I drove over to Home Depot and picked up a bidet to install into our house. Because I'm like, well... You know, worse comes to worse. If if everybody runs out of toilet paper, I can still wash my ass with this hose. So, you know, then I found out it's pretty cool. It's pretty refreshing. So, that's probably more information than you needed. But there you go. Learned something about myself and uh, found a way to save on paper a little bit. So, it's just, it's funny to me, though. Again, like going through this now, like in 26 hours, people have busted down a superstore, people have drained a city dry of gasoline. And it doesn't seem to stop. like the the way that they're talking about here is that we'll probably have this main highway, the literally the one main road that links us to the rest of the cities and the you know, the west coast of Vancouver and all the shipping ports and everything. That's another thing that's lost in all of this is that the main the biggest shipping port in Canada is the port of Vancouver. And you know that now, all of its supply routes by road and by train, I, I believe most of the train lines are down too. but, those are all gone. So who knows what that's going to do to an already massively inflated economy, as well as, you know, as what I mean by that is consumer inflation, like what we're seeing, and this is just a little side note, but we're seeing, I think the official number released by the government of Canada was 4.4% inflation, but that's garbage. Like we're seeing Definitely double digit inflation when it comes to fuel prices, we're definitely seeing, you know, I can base it off of our grocery shopping bills, probably between 10 to 14% inflation on food. Um, You know, all these, all these unintended or who knows, intended consequences of handing out all this helicopter money for the past probably coming up on 24 months now, in the form of the COVID emergency response benefit is now, you know, all those hens are coming home to roost. And, you know, I I don't understand this is going to go off on a tangent. Sorry, I don't have much of a layout for this episode, if you can't tell, like I've been thrown off by this, uh, this flooding that's been going on, I, I haven't been able to get my work schedule figured out very well, I just barely made it home yesterday before they shut down all the roadways. It was funny, though, while I was driving home, you see there was a riverboat just bombing it down the side of the highway. (laughs) I've never seen that before in my life. It was pretty funny. I'll see if I I feel like posting the video, although I was hooting and hollering when I saw it. So it's pretty embarrassing. Anyway, again, off topic. But, you know, I don't think I don't understand why anybody thinks that, you know, all these government programs and handouts are free. You know, like (laughs) inflation is the one type of tax that is like the most deadly it is the biggest contributor to widening the wealth gap between you know upper class eliminating the middle class and then just hammering the lower class and it's not something that they have to even announce they have they don't have to you know budget it in there isn't uh, you aren't all of a sudden getting a tax hike just all of a sudden your paycheck can't buy as much as it did before And it's the most insidious thing ever, but it's, you know, it's, it's anyway, I'm going to get way off topic. And I'm, I'm also not an economist, so I can't, I can't break it down uh, the most eloquent way. There's a lot of people who are breaking it down really well right now in Canadian politics being uh, Pierre Polyev, or he's the shadow cabinet minister of, uh, of finance. And then there's also one YouTube channel that I actually really like watching, and I I don't usually watch YouTube shows, but I watch watch his new episode every Saturday morning. Uh, but Steve Soretsky, if you're interested in Vancouver real estate, and then now he's getting a lot into inflation and you know what's going on with crypto and gold and silver and all that stuff. It's um it's really interesting. It's it's my one way of kind of keeping up to date with that with all that stuff. So anyway, uh, again, sidetracked, this this episode is going to be all over the place, if you can't already tell that from the first 10 minutes of it. Um, but anyway, so it, it's just wild to me that society seems to, all it takes is 26 hours into an emergency, and everything's foobard. Like, we, we don't, you know, it's, it's hard to even recognize what we're going through right now from, again, a day ago. And I... I you know, it's a good reminder, because even myself, like I I consider us fairly well prepared for a lot of things like that's just kind of where my headspace is at. Usually, it's something that especially over the last two years, I've been paying closer attention to, but even this like it's showing glaring weaknesses in in our plans and you know, in in just different contingency plans that we had. And so uh, if anything, you know, like the, the book anti fragile talks about if You know, it shakes you up and it it should make you stronger. So, hopefully, this will kind of sharpen what my idea of preparedness is, and, you know, we'll be better prepared for the next one. So, we'll see how it goes. But this the main roadways and shipping routes are all going to be down for, you know, in in the case of some of these these highways heading out of Vancouver for probably a couple months, few months. Uh, In the case of the highway, it could be up to a week you know, who knows? It's, it's bananas, right? So it's, it's just weird. And I'll I'll say one thing that I have never in my life been more thankful uh, for being a firearm owner. Like, it's just, you know, I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty much a pacifist, for the most part, for the most part in life. But being capable of defending yourself is a a very different feeling. You know, there there's the one saying I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's, you know, you'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And I really I've always resonated with that quote and it's something that, you know, it just popped into my mind this week as well because again, you just never know like stuff can go sideways and especially being a parent. Like I would feel I mean, I still do at this point, you know, you you sometimes feel helpless when you see your kids around. And it's like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I'm responsible for a lot more than myself. I mean, I can, I can get by eating saltine crackers and, and uh, peanut butter for months. But with my kids, it's, it's not so easy. So it's, uh, it's definitely been, like I said, an eye opener. And I, I I have a feeling this episode is going to be a little bit shorter, because again, I kind of got forced to leave it to the last minute. I've also been this has been destroying my ability to actually run for my move for November thing, like when we've got torrential downpour and, you know, the risk of washouts and road shutdowns and all this stuff. Like, it's been it's been tough to get any running in. But, you know, I still got, I think, around 28.5K left to go. So I I've got, you know, a good two weeks to get it done. I think I still can. But I know that we're looking at two weeks of rain ahead of us. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But um, anyway, so being back to just preparedness and society in in general, like, I think it's so important to keep that in mind. And again, going back to that quote about being a a warrior, a warrior in a garden, you know, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with being kind of a a dangerous individual without being a meathead or some egotistical, you know, psychopath, like, those are two completely different things being capable of standing up for yourself and capable of violence is different than being a violent person and that's one thing that kind of has popped into my head this week because again like just today you see this uh, this rampage at the supermarket you see you know people lining up for two hours to get gas and just realizing like when it comes right down to it society can crumble in a second like really it it does not take long at all and this is a a bit of flooding we know that there's going to be an end to this we've we've seen this type of flooding 30 years ago it's not like society was fundamentally shifted at that point it's not going to be fundamentally shifted you know in the next two weeks either but it's um yeah it's uh it's been an eye over sorry i've said that like six times already this episode but it's been a really weird feeling to just be reminded at how precarious this situation is that we do have and how lucky we are for it and how, you know, how I mean, I grew up in Canada. Most of you guys listening have grown up in Canada or the US based on listenership. So, you know, we've all been kind of afforded this same type of upbringing, never really facing the threat of it all falling apart. And maybe this is also because I'm in the middle of, well, not in the middle of, I'm still at the beginning of, I'm about 10% of the way through the Black Book of Communism, which is, wow, it's a lot bigger of a book than I had expected. This is, thing is like an 850-page Bible, as opposed to, you know, I, I figured it would be a 400-page novel or something. It's it's significantly bigger with very small printing than what I had thought it would be. So it's taken me a while to get through, but, you know, it's... Um, Maybe it's the combination of the two of them that kind of got me thinking along these lines, but it's just, yeah, yeah, things can go wrong, and things can go wrong in a big way very quickly. And I think you know, in the in the world that we're living in today, I mean, again, I was as I was alluding to, we saw a little bit of this this crazy panic buying and and um, just general public mayhem a little bit at the first lockdown last year in March. And now again, we're reminded by it. And this is the force of nature, like nothing could have stopped this. <laughs> you know, it's, it came ripping through, and it had its way with, you know, my little corner of the earth. And there's nothing we could do to stop it. You know, it overran all the dikes, it overwhelmed the pumps, the the big pump stations, and it's, it's reclaiming a lot of area that, you know, was pumped out and what used to be lake bed is now farmland. And, Well, it's turning back into lake bed. So it's just been an awesome reminder, I think, (laughs) of what what nature is capable of. And then in reaction to that, what human beings are capable of, because I can tell you from being on the road from, you know, filling up fuel yesterday to just seeing the panic in everybody around. And I mean, Let's face it like the environment that we're in right now doesn't exactly lead to mental or social stability, right? So I get it that everybody's kind of charged. So when something like this happens and there's a bit of a a blow-off valve or a release valve kind of hit, uh, you can you can definitely see it in society. You can see it again in this small city that I live in. But man, it just goes to show you like Preservation and survival, and even with the most innocuous things, again, like we're talking toilet paper is gone again naturally. Uh, But you know, when it comes down to food and everything like that, and it's just it happens so quickly. And when you're really faced with the idea of holy cow, like I better prepare, it's me or it's them, you know, that that me instinct kicks in right away. And I'm not here to argue against it because you know I I felt a little bit of that same panic just seeing what was going on around today like thinking like holy cow like if anything bad ever happened like you know everybody's going to turn on each other in a second like you know and I get it <laughs> if I if I see you know somebody up the street has a whole shipping container full of food and I've got to feed my kids well I'm taking that food, right? And it, it's just your mind starts to run all these different scenarios of things that could happen, or if this go goes on for a month or something like that, right? And it's uh, again, I think it's a lot of it is kind of influenced by this black book of communism because you read just how these different revolutions would take place, and it was social unrest, and it was obviously stoked and guided and pointed in certain directions by, you know, the in this case the the communist revolutions the bolshevik revolutions of 1917 and 1918 in the ussr but you know it can take place in any society and ultimately i don't think there's a bigger driving factor than survival and you know when you got this natural disaster like we're dealing with right now it really comes to the forefront and now looking at wikipedia we've got basically the definition of social panic and A social panic is a state where a social or community group reacts negatively and in an extreme or irrational manner to unexpected or unforeseen changes in their expected social status quo. And so that's, again, like that's really exactly what we're seeing here, right? Like, you may know that there isn't going to be gas for the next week, but realistically, the roads are shut down. It's not like we're going to actually go anywhere. (sighs) Like, just, it's it's irrational right like they're even talking about possibly getting a side road opened up just for for supplies and shipments getting in and emergency vehicles obviously so it's not like we're we're arguably not weeks out from getting more fuel or food we're a matter of a day or two and it's not like you know if people just kind of kept going as normal then you know we wouldn't have a problem with having to float supplies for a few days But as soon as you get this panic buying and this sense of social panic, again, it's just anything that's outside the the suspected status quo, anything that's different, and all of a sudden, there's that threat or that possibility that you, you know, you're, you're facing this little crisis. And the overreaction to it is amazing, because then as soon as you know, you get one person who starts reacting, or a couple people. It just creates that wave, and I know I've talked about that in different podcast episodes before. And you know, in trying to into starting social movements or being kind of the, uh, I don't know, the the trigger or the the spark point for that. Like you know, because it can start as an individual. Well, you know, <laughs> this all social panic can start from an individual or a very small group too and it's something that's that's interesting because all it takes is you know you can you can take a couple minutes you can you can think about what is most important again like at the the beginning of the lockdown in March of 2020 when covid was really prevalent rather than buying up all of the toilet paper you know my wife and I she's way smarter than me we started stocking up on multivitamins vitamin D vitamin C and then you know we expanded that into zinc and magnesium and all that other shit later on but you know, we started just buying vitamins. <laughs> it's like, you know, we've got a a disease on the horizon, you might as well boost your immune system. And that's something that we we had been starting to do again, right at the beginning of the lockdown. It's same thing happened with the bidet when the toilet paper was was going crazy, too. Like we just sometimes all you have to do is think outside the box a little bit. And we're fairly lucky, like I said, as far as preparing and trying to keep our family prepared and stocked for stuff like this. Like, obviously, I've noticed holes in it. Like, I need more fuel. Uh, I've spent the last 24 months stockpiling ammo, so I'm pretty good there. But, uh, but yeah, fuel I definitely need. But, you know, having a a big family and having, you know, there's six mouths to feed in total, we're pretty smart when it comes to buying food (laughs) in bulk. And so if there's any, like... Any of the butcher shops locally that are having a sale, a bulk sale on ground beef or on anything like that, we'll buy it in like 10 pound boxes at a time when they've got good deals. And then we just throw it in the deep freeze and use it normally how we normally would, but it lasts us a lot longer. So we've found that it, it actually helps a lot in situations like this because we don't have to go out buying meat. We've got a deep freeze full of it. We've got a lot of pastas because we, we kind of stockpile dry stuffs like that. But you know, when it comes to veggies and stuff, that that we have to kind of work on and ideally I'd like to plant a garden and start growing it although you know this week they all would have been drowned anyway, but it's just this isn't a survival guide. I don't know why I'm going down this road. It's more just this idea that don't get caught up in the social panic, (laughs) like a lot of the time. And that's a lot easier said than done, obviously, because if, you know, if it starts spilling into the streets or spilling into the roads or whatever the case may be, you know, uh, pun intended, as far as the flooding that's been going on, but it's, um, you know, it's tough to not get swept away and caught up in that stuff. And I don't know, it's just, again, maybe it's reading this book uh, combined with all this stuff happening at once, but it's, it's brought it all to the forefront of my mind. It's something that we should all be aware of. I mean, I know personally, a lot of people who've been preparing for something for the past 18-ish months. And so when this hit, they were pretty well, they were, they were ready for it, like, they were like, oh, okay, well, whatever, we can, we can last this thing out, it's not a problem, and it's, it's funny, because, you know, this is something that they weren't necessarily planning for, but they were just wanting to prepare their family for whatever may come, and now they're in the best possible position, at least comparatively to most people, but, so, I mean, I think that, that mentality pays off, um, again, that idea of being a a warrior in a garden as opposed to a gardener in a war i think that's that saying that quote has a lot of depth and a lot of meaning to me anyway it's again i would rather be capable of defending myself defending my family providing for them and not having to use it rather than being completely caught off guard in a extremely hostile situation with no way of dealing with it you know that's that's one thing that especially nowadays. I mean, obviously, with this Rittenhouse trial going on in the States and all this other stuff around firearm violence and illegal firearm use, specifically in Canada, but, you know, it always gets laid at the feet of legal firearm owners. Anyway, that's a totally different topic, a totally different discussion. But, you know, whenever the the discussion of firearms comes up, it's always oh, you're a bad person, you just want to, you just want to hurt people, you just want to see people killed, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, like, if you want to, if you want to meet the most peaceful, friendly, and, you know, just, honestly, the most talkative and social people that I, I generally relate with, are always at my local gun range, like you go there, there's just something, (laughs) there's something in the air, when everybody is armed and everybody is, you know, just enjoying whatever their, their pastime. Like I find it really relaxing. My favorite thing is shooting clay pigeons. So that's, you know, shotgun target load, those little orange discs that you see thrown up in the air and you dust them. That's my favorite thing to do. I can spend a full day doing that, you know, a couple boxes of clays, a couple cases of shells, and you're good to go for, you know, a 12 hour day out in the bush. But I don't have as much time to do that anymore, but that is one of my favorite pastimes. And same with target shooting. You know, I'm not as good at it as I am with a shotgun, but whatever, practice makes perfect. So I've got to start expelling some of these rounds that I've got uh, hoarded away. So, but anyway, just that idea, it's funny because everybody who I talk to at the range, they're very peaceful. They just want to be left alone. They, you know, and they're there and will socialize and everybody has their best manners on you know it's it's interesting too because you've all got kind of a, a common I don't know a common pastime a common passion I don't know what you would call it but when you're there it's it's really cool and that was the one thing when I first got my firearm license probably I guess it would have been eight years ago now seven or eight years ago when I first went to the range I was you know pretty reserved I didn't want to talk to anybody I just you know I, I'm I'm fairly I'm, I'm not an extrovert by any means I'm fairly introverted in in real life so when I went there it was kind of exacerbated because then I didn't know what I was doing particularly like I had taken my safety course obviously in Canada I knew how to work the firearm but I didn't know all the range guidelines or you know just how to act how to how to respond to people so but that was something that I got over real quick realizing just how friendly and happy <laughs> firearm owners in Canada specifically are there's something just about I think being able to defend yourself and being knowledgeable and handy around a firearm that really does help you just be ready for anything. Like that's all it is. I think it's a sense of security. And then that kind of extends itself to being, I don't know, more confident, more talkative. And at the same time, you know, everybody there, we've all got the same thing going on. So I don't know why I'm spending so much time on firearms. If you can't tell, I really do like them. I enjoy going to the range. I enjoy shooting clay pigeons. I'm not a psychopath. I just, I love it. It's relaxing. The smell of gunpowder is incredible. That and cup of coffee and, you know, you're good to go. But uh, anyway, that's enough yammering this week. I do find it interesting, though. Just keep that in mind. Like, again, I know I've said this before, but the razor's edge that we kind of live on and that we take for granted sometimes that we just think like this is how it always has been this is how it always will be until it's not right and it takes very little time for society a city a community to just do a complete 180 flip on its head and all of a sudden you've got this social panic and chaos going on from panic buying to you know hoarding to I don't know, just, just completely going into like these little groups. And, you know, it's the sense of community seems to vanish pretty quickly. Like, obviously, we've got neighbors and people and stuff who we, you know, we, our kids play together everything through all this. And, you know, that's the other thing. Before I go, I wanted to say that I think the times that I feel proudest as a parent, and this may sound stupid, because, you know, maybe my kids are a little bit ignorant of everything going on, or, you know, maybe they aren't as informed as some other kids are. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like when I was talking to my kids, and even today, we do pits and peaks at the dinner table every day. So what's your pit? And what's your peak of the day, your your high point, your low point, right? And my kids today, like they said, Oh, you know, my pit is that there's people stranded on the road, you know, up in the the, the highways, because we do kind of keep them informed. or They they see that they don't have school. And so they're like, Oh, well, what's going on? So we talk to them. But then their peak is running around in the rain all day. Like, you know, they they still love it. They still find joy in everything that's going on. And I think that's when that's when I feel best about what I'm doing as a parent is when my kids can kind of still take the little joy out of every day and you know maybe me and my wife are worried or stressed about different things but when I see that it doesn't affect my kids when they aren't getting that sense of stress or that that level of anxiety with whatever is happening in the world or in the community around them uh, that's when I really feel good about it that's when I know that I'm I'm doing my best to protect them to safeguard them from you know the darker aspects of everything that's been going on and even you know, even extending further into the situation that's been going on for the last two years with COVID, you know, them, they're pretty oblivious. <laughs> they just love it. They hang out with their friends, they play with their friends, they're having a lot of fun. And to them, you know, I asked my son even the other day, like, has life changed much recently? Like, do you can remember? And he said, No, it's, you know, I still hang out with my friends, we still go do things, we go to the park, we all this other stuff. And that that to me is a massive win. If you can keep your kids from from experiencing the daily stress and the daily anxiety whenever you can. I, I think that I chalk that up as a parenting win. Not keeping them oblivious to everything, like we do keep them informed, but don't let them worry about this stuff, you know. We'll take care of that. That's a that's what our job is. So anyway, that's uh that's this week. Keep that in mind moving forward like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I I think I think everybody thought 2020 was going to be kind of the apex of this craziness. And 2021, you know, even without the flood was still topping 2020 by anybody's standards. And I uh, got a feeling 2022 is going to top this one as well. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's a little bit pessimistic. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. Hey, I, I really hope I'm wrong. But I think it's going to get a little bit worse here, maybe quite a bit worse before it gets better. So keep that in mind, get prepared and just realize that you know stuff can turn on a dime again we're living on that that razor's edge and always be mindful of that and all the forces that it takes to keep that in balance and if one thing just gets out of whack by a little bit 10 20 degrees or 10 20% gets out of whack out of balance it can topple over in an instant and it really takes no time for that to turn into full blown social panic and chaos so Keep that in mind, Uh, you know, we're always looking out for our family, for whatever. And also, you know what, I I had another, uh, I don't know what this would be, listener engagement. I, I don't know, I'm not a professional at this by any means. But if there's any topics you guys want covered, I also have a couple prospective guests that I'm working on. But, you know, I like to build kind of topic ideas or a couple different talking points to maybe bounce ideas off of them and then we can open up discussions on it. So if you guys have anything that you want me to talk about or you want me to talk about in an interview, or if you want to come on and talk about anything going on nowadays, please feel free. Reach out to me. I'm always open for it. And, uh, you know, I got a comment here last week, something about not talking enough about a virus that has a 99% survivability rate. And (laughs) I just want to say to you that, If you can't tie in all these episodes and themes that I have been trying to pick and trying to portray without mentioning the words COVID-19, but realizing that they're all applicable to this situation right now, then like, I don't know what to tell you. Because trust me, I live in this world too. Like I know what's going on and I try to gear my topics, my themes to something that is applicable in the world that we're living in today. So... I do try to tie it all in together. But look, I get over overwhelmed with all this COVID shit. I don't want to spend every week talking about it. I hear about it enough. I deal with it at work enough. It's just not something that I I plan on, you know, dragging you guys into that muck every single week, because it's just, it's everywhere. You, You can see it anywhere you want to. So, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to make every episode on here specifically about it. But if you can't tie, you know, or, you know, if you can't tie the two storylines together or put two and two together, I don't know what to tell you. Because I, I do try to gear a lot of these episodes to the world that we're living in today. So anyway, I'm rambling on way too long. I think this is the second week in a row that I've gone over 30 minutes on a solo episode. So I apologize. This one, again, was kind of a smorgasbord. I'm just throwing shit at the wall, thinking it'll stick. But it's been a really weird weekend, and it's prepping to be a really weird couple of weeks. So I'll keep you guys up to date. Might do a couple more, maybe shorter episodes if anything interesting happens. We'll see. Um, again, I've got a little announcement coming up, so I'll, I'll save that for next week. And uh, hang in there, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk again next week. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing you again. As always, the podcast page is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.